Today's Into the Gloom bonus episode is brought to you by Darklit Press and their first anthology. Slice of Paradise is an all-original beach horror anthology featuring 15 short and shocking stories. It's available in ebook and paperback versions now. And for even more scares, be sure to check out the companion anthology, Beach Bodies, which releases on March 4th. Enjoy the show. Greetings, dear listeners. Thomas Gloom here. If you heard my interview with Mike Salt, then you already know a bit about Price Manor. Mike asked me to narrate the first chapter of his novella, The House That Burns, in the hopes that you, dear listener, might be tempted to step into the spooky Price Manor for yourself. We hope you enjoy, and as you listen, please remember to leave a light on. Becky grabbed a sweatshirt from the closet and tossed it over her body. Hurry up! Kevin screamed from the other side of their small two-bedroom house. There's nothing that could be important enough for us to stay a moment longer. He was right, and Becky knew it. She looked around their bedroom and took it all in. The memories of moving in. Their first night with unopened boxes and a mattress on the floor. The winter they'd lost power and had to huddle under a million blankets not to freeze to death. They hadn't just created memories here. They'd created a life. Becky was terrified that this would be the last time she ever... Now! Kevin entered the room and grabbed Becky by her forearm. Not enough time for this. Becky reached out and grabbed her travel bag as Kevin ripped her body out of the bedroom and threw the house towards the front door. The memories of the room, their home... The life they'd had in this house, tucked away in the small logging town of Steelhead. All of it. It all disappeared the moment she left the house and stepped into a version of hell she'd only seen in her nightmares. A violent orange glow ate everything in sight. Smoke filled her lungs and burned her throat like she'd swallowed a pack of cigarettes. Her eyes watered as she squinted, trying to find her husband's truck. The white Ford pickup looked like it was covered in a layer of snow, but Becky knew better. It was ash, remnants of the forest fire that had circled their small town and swallowed their neighbors' houses whole. Now it collapsed upon them, still hungry, still ready to eat anything in its path. She pulled the door handle and jumped inside, throwing the bag over her shoulder into the back seat. Kevin climbed in, and the vehicle roared to life. He threw the truck into reverse and skidded down their street until he was clear to turn the car around and drive properly towards freedom. Steelhead's summer population was less than 500, and as they raced through the empty streets, Becky wondered how many would be able to return to their homes. How many people would have to start over after tonight? How many families would be shoveled and tossed into a new life that felt foreign or strange in a new city? Most of the residents had never lived anywhere besides Steelhead. Anything else for them would be like traveling in time. The small town had conservatively let the world pass them by, 
and now the residents would be catapulted into it with little preparation. Strangers in time. Kevin slammed down the wheel and pulled the truck down a side road with a squeaking of the tires. He shifted gears and they flew full speed down the road, passing cars loaded to the roof, fleeing in the opposite direction. Call him again, Kevin said as he navigated past an abandoned car, fully engulfed in flames. Becky pulled out her phone and dialed Cam. When he didn't pick up, she hung up and dialed Trish. Don't worry. They're fine, Kevin said, taking a corner as tightly as possible, trying not to lose any of the momentum he'd built up on this drag race through hell. They'll be waiting. Becky nodded and tried to convince herself that she believed him, believed that their best friends hadn't been burnt alive in the apocalyptic storm that was determined to turn everything in its path to ash and metal skeletons. Becky felt a lump in her throat. She swallowed hard and felt the lump slide down her gullet and land in her stomach. She felt ill. Becky and Kevin had spent the better part of the year convincing Cam and Trish to move north and join them in this secluded wilderness of mountains, pine trees, and rivers. The biggest threats, so they claimed in the numerous pitches that had eventually broken them down enough to move, were mountain lions and bears, both of which were only a problem if you weren't prepared. When Cam was laid off from his job, he finally called them up, ready to hear them out about moving. Becky knew of a cheap, single-wide trailer on a good chunk of property they could settle down in for almost nothing. It was a chance for them to start a new life, and with their savings, Cam could really try and accomplish his dreams of writing for a living. Becky was able to hook Trish up with a job at a logging company as an accountant. It was almost too easy. They ripped their way through smoke and flames to try and escape certain death. A horrible feeling ate Becky alive, like a cancer deep within her heart and spreading through her veins, infecting every inch of her body. Kevin slowed the truck as the road switched from neat, hard pavement to a dirt path forged by pioneers and wagons and horses. Rocks and dust flew through the air and disappeared in the heavy smoke collapsing on them like a wave in a storm. Within a couple moments, it was clear that Kevin needed to slow down to a snail's pace. The smoke was too thick and the road too narrow to fly down blind. Becky felt her husband's hand reach out in the dark and grasp hers. They couldn't be that far away. She was positive of it. Smoke started to fill the cabin of the truck. Kevin reached behind his seat and pulled out an old t-shirt, shoving it in the vents of the heater. Becky had never been more grateful that he treated his truck like a locker room, leaving in it discarded socks, shoes, shirts, or whatever else he couldn't be bothered to take inside with him after working out or a slow-pitch softball game with the guys. That should help for now he said as he leaned closer to the windscreen. Should be coming up on that turn soon. What if we miss it? The smoke is thick enough we might just drive right past it, Becky said. The thought hadn't actually occurred to her until the words were slipping from her mouth. Then we turn around and try again. We're getting them out of here. Becky opened her mouth, but said nothing. She wanted to ask him how he could be so sure 
they would even make it out of here themselves. The flames were collapsing in, and it looked less and less likely that there would be a clear way out. The question floated in the air, even though she never said it. She knew Kevin well enough. He was a man with a plan. He was already running escape route after escape route through his head. Backup plan on top of backup plan. Becky opened her mouth again to ask the question that needed asking for him to reassure her, but stopped as she saw their turnoff. There! Kevin accelerated. The turn was a straight shot to Cam and Trish's double wide. Kevin just needed to see the road in front of him to know he was going in a straight line. The truck bounced off the dirt road. Becky felt her neck snap back and forth like she was in the back of a carnival ride that made her sick. She held the oh-shit handle and closed her eyes. It would be over soon. She bounced up and down. Even with a seatbelt, she could feel her ass float from the seat and then slam back down with the drop of the truck. She opened an eye and squeezed the other. Through the smoke, a person emerged. Kevin slammed on the brakes and cut the wheel. The truck slid on the dirt before abandoning the road and slowing down in the dry, tall grass. Kevin opened the door and stepped out. You guys all right? Cam and Trish appeared from the smoke, each with a hand over their mouth and nose to block out as much smoke as possible. Cam usually had dark brown skin, but now it was gray. The ash had caked onto his bare skin and covered him like paint. They had clearly been waiting for a lot longer than Becky and Kevin had realized. Trish was also gray, but not as bad. Becky assumed that Cam had tried to shield her from as much as he could. Kevin grabbed a bag from Trish, and he and Cam tossed the bags into the bed of the truck as the three of them climbed into the truck. You know, it would have been faster if I had just hailed an Uber, Cam said as Kevin pointed the truck back the way they'd come. Don't know that I could have afforded it, though. I imagine there'd be some kind of hazard pay required. There is. Just so you know, I fully intend for you to pay me for picking you guys up. Kevin tried to joke back, but it came off stale and off-tone. Becky could tell he was panicking. He faked a smile and reached out for her hand again. She squeezed and tried her own forced smile back at him. How bad is it back at Steelhead? Trish asked. Not as bad as it is out here, but bad, Becky answered. Think we can make it there before it gets worse? Trish asked. Becky looked at Kevin and waited for his answer. It didn't come. Becky felt the feeling again. The cancer flooded her veins and turned her insides black. How'd you guys get the evacuation notification? Kevin said instead. Cam laughed. <laughs> the trees in the backyard were glowing orange and smelled like a fireplace. You? Becky turned around. There was an emergency alert sent out over our phones, and a couple neighbors were going door to door, making sure the older couples knew. Ah, cell phones, Cam said. I think a tower was taken out in the flames. We lost service almost immediately. Power, too. We were hanging out in the dark until the trees turned into giant death lanterns. Kevin turned the truck and continued through the smoke. I think it's clearing up some. Becky looked out her window. It was true. She no longer felt like they were driving through suffocating fog. She could see further in front, 
could even make out the forest right off the dirt road. That's good, right? Kevin shrugged. Probably. I mean, I'm no professional, but less smoke could mean less fire. Becky felt Kevin cut himself off. Less fire? Or? Becky asked. Kevin looked at her, then into the rearview mirror at Cam. Becky looked back at Cam. He looked defeated. The first time she'd ever seen him like this. Even when he was desperate for work and everything seemed hopeless, he always looked like he had a joke ready to fire. Not now. His face had dropped and his hand was rubbing the back of his neck. Fucking someone better say something before I lose it, she said. Or, Kevin started, or the wind has changed. That's bad, right? Trish asked. No one answered Trish. The quietness answered for them. Becky reached out and gripped Kevin's hand. The truck picked up speed. Visibility was better. Oh my God, Trish said from the back seat. The entire town was gone. Nothing but a giant ball of fire. Becky could see the flames jumping from house to house, watched as cars were swallowed whole. Everything seemed like a nightmare. The flames moved like they were alive. A breathing creature that fed off the ashes of the stuff it burned. Can we make it through? Becky asked. Kevin slowed the truck to a stop. Moments passed as they silently watched their home disappear, leaving them behind to watch the flames take everything they had. I don't think we can make it through. Can we head south? Cam asked. No, the fire that we pulled you from came from the south. Are we trapped? Trish asked. Becky could not only hear the fear in her voice, but feel it. Silence rolled over them again. Kevin released Becky's hand and whipped the truck around and back the way they'd come. He punched the pedal to the floor and Becky's head was thrown back into her seat. You got a plan, or are you just driving us into the flames? Cam asked. His jokes were off tonight. The stress of the night had him off a bit. But Becky still appreciated that he was trying. The BLM roads! There was one right up the road from here! Becky shot a look back at Trish and Cam and shrugged. There are Black Lives Matter roads out here? Cam asked. Becky wasn't proud of it, but she was thinking the same thing. How exactly is that going to help us? Kevin looked up into the mirror, and Becky watched his face contort. The same way it looked when she made the mistake of confusing a halfback and a quarterback during the Super Bowl. He looked confused and frustrated at the same time. He looked over to her and Becky did her best to act like she was with him and everyone in the back seat was dumb as shit. She threw her hands up to try and sell the idea. Not fucking Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the Bureau of Land Management. They have roads up and down the mountain. I know one that I think will squeeze us right between the two fires and hopefully pop us out on the other side. There it was. The plan. Becky knew that he would get them out of here. This chapter was taken from Price Manor, Book 1, The House That Burns, by Mike Salt, and was published by Deadline Horror Collective. Narration by Thomas Gloom. It was used here with the permission of the author and publisher.